Um, well, we are coming to the end of our journey towards Christmas Advent series today. I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed these uh, last three weeks. Today's the fourth week. It's coming to a culmination uh, next Tuesday for our Christmas Eve service uh, right here at 4 p.m. And so we want to invite you and your family and friends to come out for that. We're going to have a fantastic time. But we have been journeying um, towards Christmas and celebrating uh, the birth of Christ. Um, we started out the series by looking at um, peace, the peace that is ours and that is found only in Christ. And so we started this journey with peace. And then the second week, we looked at the redemption that is ours in Christ as well, the power of Christ working in us, drawing, him, uh, drawing us into a relationship with himself to accomplish his plans and his purpose. And so we looked at redemption in that second week. Last week, we looked at the fact that we serve a, and worship a God who loves us, who delights in us. And uh, Pastor Tim um, shared God's incredible purposes for us in Christ as we worship him. And so we looked at uh, worship. Everything that we've been looking at as we've moved towards Christmas is designed to point us to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because that's what this season is all about. It's a celebration of the birth of our Savior. And it's only because of Jesus that we can find the fullness of what we can experience in joy. So this morning we want to look at joy. And we want to look at the source of our joy. And then we want to look at how we respond to it. And so I'd just like to ask you to, uh, let's just open our time in prayer uh, for all that God has for us as we look at how to experience the fullness of joy that God has for us. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come together um, just to worship you, to celebrate you, to be encouraged as we study your word together. And uh, God, we just lift our time up to you. And I know this is a busy time of the season, busy time of the year for many. And so I just pray that in our busyness um, that we're able to stop and reflect and to find joy in the peace that we have, the redemption that we have, uh, the love that you have for us, and just find some time to worship. Uh, God, so just give us uh, moments of rest as we move through uh, what otherwise can be a very busy season. God, we just lift our time up to you this morning as we look at genuine joy, the source of where that joy comes from, how we respond to it, and what we do with it. And we lift our time up to you this morning for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we want to talk about um, joy for a moment. And the first thing that's really important is for us to be able to understand what joy is. And uh, if you uh, want to keep some notes, there's an insert on the inside of the bulletin. You can keep some notes. If you've downloaded our um, Springbrook app, there's uh, the notes for our time together. You can follow along there as well. Uh, go to our website, springbrook.org slash notes. We just want to follow along uh, this morning, but it's important for us to step back and make sure that we understand what joy really is. Because I think that there is a, a misunderstanding about what joy is, especially when we start talking about the difference between joy and happiness. You see, happiness is something that is based on our circumstances, whether or not things are going well. And joy is not like that. Joy is not based on our circumstances. Happiness is circumstantial, based on external imprints, but joy is something that comes from within inside of us, regardless of what's going on in our lives. You know, the Apostle Paul says this about joy when he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And so Paul reminds us that joy is something that comes about as a result of the work of the Spirit in our lives. An apple tree does not have to work very hard in making apples. The tree is seeds planted in good ground. It's fertile soil. It's got water. It's got sunlight. And the apples are a byproduct of something, of a process that God is working through. And it's the same way with joy. Joy is a byproduct of something that God is doing in us as a result of the work of the Spirit. You can't produce it. You can't manufacture it. It's something that is either there or it's not. And so joy is not something that's circumstantial. It's something that's inside of us. It's internal. It comes from within as a result of the working of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul is speaking of uh, Jesus when he writes, or uh, Peter is speaking of Jesus in 1 Peter 1.8. He talks about, though that you have not seen Jesus, you haven't seen him, but you love him. You do not see him now, but you believe in him and you rejoice with what? With joy. That it's inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith salvation of your soul. And so seeing Jesus or not seeing Jesus doesn't impact our joy. Our joy comes from knowing him, loving him, and being in one relationship with him. Joy is something that is not external. It comes from the inside, and it's in spite of our circumstances. Even though things are falling apart, we can still find peace and joy. In fact, that's what we see Jesus experienced when we look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says that Jesus looking at the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And so even in the midst of his trials, in the midst of crucifixion, he was able to experience joy that was set before him as he endured God's plan for him, as he submitted himself to the Father's will and dying for our sins. And so joy, from Jesus' perspective, was something that he could experience in spite of those circumstances. And so joy, unlike happiness, is something that comes from an internal heart place. It's an internal heart issue, unlike happiness that's dependent upon our circumstances. It's interesting, if you've ever been to a football game or a sporting event, somebody makes a touchdown, what's the first thing that happens? Everybody responds with happiness. That's not joy. It's happiness because somebody's made a touchdown. And what happens if your team doesn't cross the finish line or they fumble? There's a sense of, ugh, of sadness. And so that happiness and sadness is what people are experiencing. That's not what joy is. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Um, Happiness is triggered by uh, those circumstances. I was driving down uh, Algonquin Road, headed to Randall last week, and I was in a hurry um, to get to uh, Randall Road and I was approaching a signal, and uh, as I got to the signal, just as I went under the light, it turned yellow. And I was like, booyah, happy, because I made the signal, right? So it was a sense of happiness, because I made the signal. I was like, you know, it's just small things in life that I find happiness from, right? But I kid you not, I got to the, I was approaching the next signal, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, great, it's going to happen again. I got to the second, and just as I got there, it turned red, and I thought, oh. I thought, you know what, that's, that, that's what happens with happiness. It is so dependent on our circumstances. And we experience this euphoria, this gift of, you know, it's not joy. It's, it's happy because it's an external input. But it was interesting because as I sat at the red light, I was able to pray and kind of catch my thoughts. And all of a sudden, I thought, you know what, I'm able to experience joy even though I missed the signal. 
And so joy was something that came from with inside of me. It's different than the happiness or the unhappiness that I experienced. This is a picture of the, our front porch. And so uh, thank you to my lovely wife who encouraged me to help with the decorations. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's a lot more fun setting Christmas up than it is taking it down, isn't it? You know, it's funny because uh, I, uh, I used to decorate growing up as a kid, would decorate the house and pull up the decorations. And as the kids, you know, were, they were younger, we used to do that. As they got older, I found myself out there decorating the house, but I was by myself. I, was, I couldn't get anybody to come out here to help me. And so I thought, you know, this is a lot of work. And so uh, over the years, I've just I put less and less stuff out because uh, the more you take out, the more you got to put back. My next door neighbor, though, uh, I love him. He's got, he's got four kids. He is so much fun to be around. And so he kind of throws stuff over at me going, do you want me to come put up a snowman for you? Do you want me to help you put up? So I'm getting chastised by our neighbors for not putting decorations out. So my wife and I got out. We put up some decorations this morning. But I love the, the, the idea of joy. And so we got to talking about joy. And we were talking about joy and happiness and how much, how much happiness we were experiencing putting out the decorations, but how much disappointment sometimes there is just putting stuff away. I mean, we like to experience that euphoria. We like the idea of excitement. We like when things are going well. And that's what makes us happy when things are going well. And then we feel sadness when things aren't going well. And so our lives are so much controlled by our circumstances that this idea of understanding what the difference between happiness and joy is really important. Because happiness is something that comes from you from the outside, but joy is something that you carry with you and you have within you, and it's either there or it's not. You know, joy is an internal state. It's acquired by a sense of anticipation or expectation of something bigger than a single event. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at joy that's indescribable and unexplainable that comes about as a result of who we are in Christ. We're going to look at the source of our joy, and then we're going to look at how we respond to it. If you brought your Bibles with you, um, you can turn with me to the book of Luke um, chapter 2, or you can follow along um, on the YouVersion Bible app. Let's take a look at the source of our joy, and then we'll look at how we respond to it. I want to start with the first two verses in chapter 2. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria. And so I want to stop there for a second and just kind of look at what's happening uh, here. You know, you've got Caesar Augustus, who was actually born, uh, his name was actually Gaius Octavius. He was the first emperor of Rome. And uh, the Senate at that time um, honored him with a, a name, Augustus, which, uh, which, which, uh, which means the exalted one. And so um, Octavius had helped navigate some civil war, some strife, and he brought some peace to the region. And so the Senate just decided to, uh, to rename him Augustus to elevate his status. He's the elevated one. And so he's new in office. Uh, he has uh, brought some peace to the region, and his first order of business is to ask for a census so that the entire world may be numbered so that he can go after some taxes. Now, that's not something you're going to hear in a presidential debate in the U.S. today. My first order of business is going to be to raise taxes. 
But that's what's happening here as we move into Luke chapter 2. As we see, Caesar Augustus calls this census. Um, he wants the entire population of the world numbered so he can get his hands on how much money he's going to be able to collect. And he issues this order that is unbeknownst to him, a fulfillment of biblical prophecy that was over 600 years old, fulfilling the prophecy from Micah chapter 5. There's a census that's going to be taking. And so God is at work in this census, you know, in spite of the circumstances, you know, God is at work. And so his first order of business is going to be to number the world and tax everybody that he could. And so that's the beginning of the story for Joseph and Mary. They've just come off of Luke chapter 1. We've seen that there's this unwed virgin young mother that's just found out she's going to conceive a baby uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so they're just recovering from that news. As you move into chapter 2, we see now all of a sudden they're going to have to pack up their stuff and make this trip um, to Bethlehem so that they can be numbered amongst the census to pay their taxes. And so Joshua and uh, Joseph and Mary, I'm sure, are just recovered from this news and now they're getting ready to pack up um, to go to uh, Bethlehem. And so the circumstances for them are sure to be creating some strife. It says, beginning in uh, verse 3, uh, that all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph went up from Galilee, to, from the town of Nazareth, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swallowing clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so the situation for Joseph and Mary at this time is, I'm sure, tumultuous. And so if you think about things that are causing happiness or unhappiness, I would imagine for them there's some turmoil going on in their lives as they think about trying to pack everything up uh, to make this journey um, it's about 80 miles away for them to get to uh, Bethlehem, which for us is about an hour and a half drive. For them, it would be days that she is sitting on a donkey uh, to make this trip uh, to pay her taxes. Uh, they are, sounds like they're the last ones there, so the journey took them some time. They're the last one there. They finally get there. And there's no room for them at the end. Uh, the good news is that uh, uh, Joseph's out. He's able to find them some space. Hey, good news, honey, I found us some space. I couldn't get any room at the hotel, but I've got this barn that we're going to stay in. And so I'm trying to picture this image in my mind of him coming back to tell Mary about where they're going to be staying. Uh, Joseph and Mary, I'm sure, are recovering from this news. They're recovering from the trip, and then she gives birth and uh, lays her baby in the manger. So if you think about where Joseph and Mary are at this point, um, I know what that story would look like in my house. You know, Carolyn and I, when we had our, our kids, each time before the baby was born, we spent months preparing a room. We get the crib, we got all the stuff, we got everything ready so when the baby arrived, um, we'd have a nice place uh, for them to sleep. I'm sure that uh, Joseph and Mary were having some interesting conversations about how this was unfolding in their life. I don't know what circumstances are looking like in your life. Um, I know that this past week for me, we had uh, you know, just coming into the week, um, we had, uh, we had a, everybody's okay, we had a car accident, um, so I was working with the insurance company, we we're trying to find a new car, it got told, our plans for our trips changed, we had a doctor's appointment, um, we had uh, 
my, I don't know what your week looks like, uh, but my week has been full. And so all throughout this week, I've been having to step back and say, hey, look, circumstances are not what this season's about. Carol and I have been talking about getting, you know, gifts for the kids. And, you know, especially, you know, when you, when you, um, when you think about the gift exchange, it's like, okay, well, I got them a $10 gift, but I got a $25 gift for them. Think about how much work goes into trying to make sure that the kids all get the same gifts. Or, you know, we, how, we, how we keep things equal. You know, we're trying to spend the same amount of time with both parents. You know, we have to go to both parents' houses. So we're going to spend a day here and a half a day there. If you think about just the time leading up to celebrating Christmas, it creates tension in the lives of families. It is just a, a reality, and, and there's so many things that work against us that cause us to be happy or unhappy that we need to understand fully the source of joy that we're going to experience it has nothing to do with our circumstances, but comes only from within, resulting from who we are in Christ. And so I know that, that, uh, that uh, Joseph and uh, Mary are feeling the tension uh, of the holiday and what's going on for them. And then we move into the, uh, to take a look at the shepherds. As we move into verse 8, we encounter the shepherds that the angels are going to appear to. They're, they're going to get this news of great joy. And beginning in verse 8, um, it says this, In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch of their flock by night. And so the angels will appear to the shepherds um, that are guarding their flocks by night. What does it mean to be guarding their flocks by night? Have any of you ever worked third shift? You ever worked a midnight shift? Yeah, everybody's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the shepherds, they couldn't take naps. Um, they had to be on their guard to protect the sheep and the flock from the wolves and the hazards. And uh, so those guys had to pay attention uh, with, with great attention um, to their flocks over this evening over the evenings, just to keep everybody safe. And, and then when the daytime came, it's not like they had blackout curtains. Um, it's not like they could go find some place to get to sleep. They had to operate during the day, and they had to operate during the night. And so that role for a shepherd, um, at, at watching the shepherds at night, was a stressful job. Uh, it typically was given to uh, people that were maybe lower on the uh, social economic uh, ladder, you know, typically they were uneducated or not as educated. Um, they were typically um, untrained. Um, the role of a shepherd was important, but it wasn't one of the most prominent jobs that you'd be looking to fulfill. In fact, when you think about most third shifts, that's where you put the newbies. That's where you put the people that you're training. Uh, you, you aspire to be on a first shift job. Everybody, work, everybody wants to work during the day. Nobody wants to work at night. And so that role of a shepherd was a difficult role. It was typically not a role that was looked upon um, as prestigious. And, uh, but those are the ones that the angels uh, appeared to. And that role of a shepherd, though, it was really interesting to think about um, that role. In 1 Samuel, in chapter 16, um, God has rejected King Saul as the king. And uh, he sends um, Samuel to the house of Jesse to choose one of his new sons to be king. And so Samuel gets to Jesse's house, and, and, and uh, Jesse brings out all of his sons. And Samuel's evaluating each one of the sons and saying, well, no, that's not the one, that's not the one. And he gets to the end. And he says to Jesse, don't you have any more sons? Is this all you have? And Jesse says, well, there's this youngest son that I have that is out tending the sheep. 
You know, so it was one of those positions that Jesse, it's like, how do you forget your son? And so that role of a shepherd um, was really one that there would have been issues going on in their lives. You know, they're working midnight, they're looked down upon, they're typically, you know, uh, but I think about the role of a shepherd and all the stuff that they have going on in their lives. And just like Mary and Joseph, I'm sure those shepherds had circumstances that were working against them, uh, things that were causing them to be either happy or unhappy. Um, but the angels appear to them. And as we look into verse 9, uh, it picks up, it says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were fear- filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for you and for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace with those who he is well pleased. So I want to stop there. Um, for a second, because I want to back up and I want to look at verses 10 and 11 uh, with you because these verses are the key to understanding joy. They're the key to our passage this morning, to understanding the source of where our joy comes from. The angel said to them, what? Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so I want to just park there for a minute. And I want to look at that verse because this verse is the key to understanding the source of where our joy comes from. It doesn't matter where you are, what's going on in your life right now. The source of your joy is rooted not in those circumstances, but is rooted in the good news. I bring you good news of what? Of great joy. Not just joy, but great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Our joy is rooted in the good news that we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That is the source of our joy. You see, this Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, we celebrate the fact that he has been born a Savior and Lord. And that is the source of where we find our joy. See, Jesus did not come to save us from our problems. He did not come to save us from our health concerns. He didn't come to save us from our anxiety or our poverty or from our circumstances. He might choose to do those things, but that is not why Christ came. There's no promise that we have that will be rescued from any of those things. Jesus rescues us. He saves us from an eternal separation from God. That's the good news. And that is the source of our great joy. We will all find ourselves at some point in life in circumstances that are less than desirable. There's no promises against those. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death 
And that death is not just a spiritual death, but it's also a separation from God, not only for us relationally today, but for all eternity. And the good news is that we have been saved from that, and that is the source of our joy. The good news is we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord and where we find the source of our joy. Happiness is external. Joy comes from something that is inside of us. The good news that brings great joy is we have a Savior, and one day, I know, I will spend eternity with Him. We have a relationship with Him now, and we'll spend eternity with Him then. And that is what gets us excited. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us. We have a Savior that rescues us. We have a Holy Spirit that takes up residence in our life and guides us and comforts us and gives us direction. You know, verse 10 says that the good news of joy is for who? It's for all the people. So this good news is not just for a select few. This good news is for everyone. You know, the hope that we have in Christ, the assurance that we have in heaven, is for all who will receive that message. I talk to people about the relationship with Christ and how can you love a God that would send somebody to hell or, or how can God, you know, the, the, the wrestling that people are having to work through is the decision because this good news is available for everyone. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. It's good news that is for everyone. And that is the broadest definition of the gospel. That's the broadest definition of the gospel. It's for everybody. The narrowest definition we see in verse 11, for unto you is born. And you could just cross that word you out. You could put your name there. For unto Richard is born. For unto Beth or Bob or Mary. This is also an individual proclamation that we all can have that assurance. And so there's a broad definition from the perspective of that this good news is for everybody, but it's also a very personal individual decision that we each must be able to come for, come to. For unto you is born a Savior, and that is the cause of great joy for us. In Acts 4.12, it says that there's no salvation in any other name. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And it is, a, it is great news that uh, the one Savior, the one mediator between us and God has made salvation possible to all people, to everybody. And that is the source of our joy. No matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's going on in my circumstances, I know that God loves me. He has a plan for me. He is there with me. Psalm 23 says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with me. He's not waiting for me to come out on the other side to see how it turns out. God is with us. And that is the story and the hope that we have at Christmas. And then we see a whole host of angels come down to earth and they appeared to the shepherds and they do in front of the shepherds what they do 24-7 up in heaven. They praise God saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with who he is well pleased. Joy is not happy, is not happiness. Being happy or not being happy is based on your circumstances. But joy, great joy, is found and rooted in who we are in Christ. And we need to understand that that is where our joy comes from. The source of our joy is found in who we are in Christ. 
The second thing we want to look at is how we respond based on that good news. How do we respond in light of this joy that we are able to experience through who we are in Christ? And we're going to look at how the shepherds responded to their news and to their great joy in just a moment. But I think there's a sense that sometimes uh, this can be an academic exercise. It's easy to be able to look at a passage and, and, uh, and be able to think. And uh, the struggle sometimes can be how to apply it. I know a lot of times people will, will see something or they'll read something and just in conversations they'll say, yeah, but you don't understand what it's like for me. <laughs> and so sometimes people go through circumstances where it seems almost impossible to find joy. But I want to invite uh, Chris and uh, Corinne Kabaki uh, to come out for a moment. Um, Chris and uh, Corinne have been at Springbrook. I've been at Springbrook uh, 11 years uh, this past September. I think you guys were here before, before I was. And so I have had the privilege of being able to uh, serve alongside them these uh, many years. And um, I know that um, we share some things in common, some of the, uh, some of the issues that I, I know that, um, that you face, are facing right now, others have faced as well. And I thought it would be uh, good uh, if uh, Chris and Karen could just share with you uh, for a little bit you know, just briefly, some of the circumstances that they're going through that might otherwise cause them not to be happy, but where they're able to find some joy in their circumstances. And so I know it's been a privilege for me to be able to serve with Chris on the worship team. Uh, Chris is uh, drumming uh, for us many times. Corinne has been active in our small groups, our women's ministry and in children's ministry. And so I have appreciated uh, just the opportunity to come alongside you and just be a part and hear about what God's doing in your lives. But I'd like to encourage you this morning just to share, uh, as you feel comfortable, a little bit about some of the circumstances that are going on in your life uh, right now and then where you've been able to find joy in spite of those. And so, Chris, I'll let you... Uh, just leave. giving you a brief... Uh recap of what's happened to us this year. About a year ago, the, uh, the cancer that I had battled a couple years before came back. So we went through months of inconclusive tests, and this one's positive, this one's negative, and trying to find it. And about May, they finally found it. And then starting about June, it began to affect other systems in my body. So we counted this morning. Since June, I've been in the hospital nine times. Uh, four times since Thanksgiving. Yeah, not including chemo. And uh, it would be procedures, and that would fail, and another procedure, and finally culminated a day before Thanksgiving when um, I went to the uh, emergency room and nearly died. And they performed uh, some emergency procedures, which uh, were the last thing I wanted to have done but was necessary to save my life. And then through all of that, to make matters worse, we got to spend Thanksgiving in the hospital. Let me take the story from there. So it's 11.15 in the morning. On the day before Thanksgiving, I get a phone call, and Chris is going in for chemo. They test his blood as a normal part of chemo, and the doctors get the blood test back, and they look at him and say, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to the emergency room. And so we went to the emergency room, and we get there, and the emergency room says, uh-oh, this is not good. Not that you want to hear at the emergency room. Um, and so they began a series of treatments, a lot of treatments, to save his life. And 
within a few hours, it became pretty obvious that we were going to spend Thanksgiving in the hospital. They, they did save his life, of course, but he was still way too sick for them to send home. And so when Thanksgiving morning dawned and it was clear that we were going to be there all day, the, I, I contacted um, my, my network and asked if they would please send me photos of their Thanksgiving. Now, I had in mind what photos they would probably send. They were way more creative than that. I, people unleashed all of their creativity, and the photos started arriving at 11 in the morning. And they continued arriving until 10 o'clock at night. I have a whole album of photos, and no two are alike. It was the hugest thing. And every time I would start to get just slightly discouraged, there'd be another text message with somebody else's photo. As if that weren't enough. On top of that, somebody had taken our son Max the night before, and he was spending the night with his best friend's family, and they included him in all their family activities. And every time I talked to him, I figured that his face must hurt from smiling all the time because he was just having the time of his life with uh, three other children about his same age and all the things they were doing there. And then somebody came to the hospital and brought us a little package, and in it were two tea lights, plastic wine glasses, and a plastic fork that was tied with gold ribbon and a couple things. And somebody else brought us Thanksgiving dinner, and the staff bent the rules and heated it up in the staff microwave. And we shared a Thanksgiving dinner by candlelight in the hospital, thanking God that Chris had had chemo the day before, or we might not have found that blood condition in time for him to get the treatment that saved his life. And thanking God that Chris was there to spend Thanksgiving with us and not singing with the heavenly choir. And so we had so many reasons to be thankful. Thankful that Chris was, was going to be okay. Thankful for all of the people that made Thanksgiving a blessing. And even though it wasn't the Thanksgiving I planned, it was a Thanksgiving that I will never forget. It was even a huge blessing to us. It's people that took the pictures and sent the text messages who said how much it blessed them to do that because they began to think about their own Thanksgiving and what was important to them. And it was reflected in the pictures. Sometimes it was the layout of the food. Sometimes it was family. It was all different kinds of things. But people were, were, weren't taking their own Thanksgiving for granted. And to be able to do that was accidental, but was that them telling us that was a huge blessing. And what, we learned, what I learned through all of this is about seeking joy. I learned that God is good. He is always good. Everything he does is, is good. He uses everything for his good and for his glory. And I've learned to find the joy in the waiting on his timing. It's not my time and what I would like. It's his timing, but finding the joy in that and the blessings, finding the joy in the peace that he gives um, through the waiting, through seeking him, the joy of seeking him, the joy of his word, the joy of playing on the, on the worship team and getting to, to praise him through, through instruments. We can't choose our situations, but we can choose how we respond to it. And I choose to seek the joy and the blessings that God has given us, and there's so many. Yeah. 
I want to thank you both for uh, your willingness to share that. I think it's that joy that you're sharing uh, from within you that you're able to share that. You, you can't manufacture uh, that kind of joy. I know that, um, how many of you have cancer, know somebody with cancer, been affected by cancer? Is that something that, uh, you know, we spend a, 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 a large percentage of our time praying for families um, that have been affected by that in one way or another. And I think when you're living in light of that health reality, you become more aware of how every day is a gift. Um, scripture says that our days are numbered. Um, God has a plan and purpose for us while we're here, but when we're living our life out uh, in light of eternity, it, it gives you a different perspective on, uh, on your circumstances today and where you're able to find joy. And so I want to thank you for uh, just your willingness to share. It's okay, I'd like to pray for you. And then uh, just that God would continue to strengthen you and to keep you uh, well, Chris, and that he would strengthen Corinna Max. And, and let's pray for them. Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the testimony uh, that you're working out uh, in Chris and Corinne's life and Max and in each of us, actually. Um, God, I just want to thank you that you are at work. Uh, God, I pray for Chris, God, that you would continue to strengthen his body. Um, I just thank you for the physicians that are able to come alongside of him and uh, work with him, understanding that you are, Lord, the great physician. God, we just lift him up to you. I pray that you would continue to encourage uh, Corinne and Max as well. Um, God, God, we just lift their family up to you. I would pray that you'd bless them and that they would have an overwhelming sense of great joy this Christmas season. And uh, probably sings in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys. So, you know, when you think about circumstances, we've all got different things in our life that I'm sure... Uh, that we could be unhappy about, but joy has the ability to come from within us to move beyond our circumstances, and that's what the Kabakis are experiencing, and you can't manufacture that. That's something that only comes about as a result of who they are in Christ, and so it was just been uh, an encouragement for me um, to come alongside and listen to how God's working in their life, and I just want to take a minute to, uh, to thank you, um, our church family, for the way that you have supported them and encouraged them and prayed for them. Um, being a Christ follower and being a part of a local church is not something that we've been designed to do alone. Um, we can listen to sermons online. We can watch uh, services on the uh, television set. But there's something about who we are together that is vitally important to our being able to experience the fullness of joy that is ours in Christ. We're here today because of the work that Christ is doing in our life. Uh, because of his calling on our life, and it's in that that we can encourage uh, one another as we experience the fullness of joy uh, that is ours. And so joy is uh, important to understand, you know, the source of where that comes from. And so it's important to know, number one, that the source of our joy is found in Christ, and then number two, how do we respond to that? You know, we've seen, uh, uh, on this next slide, go ahead and put that up for me. Um, go one more. Number one, number two. Now we, we passed it then. Number there we go. Number one, the source of joy is found in Christ. Number two, we want to talk a little bit about how we respond to it. And Chris and Corinne have been praying and looking for opportunities to share what God's doing in their life. And I think that kind of moves beyond the, the academic part of what we find uh, when we sometimes just read Scripture. I think it is fascinating to look at how the shepherds um, responded um, after they heard this good news of great joy. Um, we see in verse 17 and 18 that uh, the first thing they did when they saw it was they made known the saying that the Lord had given them, and he told them concerning the child. The first thing they did was they started telling other people about it. They saw it, and they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And so when our joy is rooted in who we are in Christ, it gives us opportunities to share that with other people. And that's what we see the shepherds uh, do. That's the first thing they did is they started sharing uh, what Christ had told them and had done in their life with other people. And then in verse 20, it says, they went back to their hometown. They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it has been told to them. And so this joy that we have within us is contagious amongst other people. We are excited about what God is doing, and we can't help but share that with other people. And so as we move through this Christmas season, it's an opportunity for us to share with other people the hope that we have in Christ. That's what we're going to be celebrating when we come together for our Christmas Eve service, the joy that has been set before us because of who we are in Christ. And so it's my prayer for our church family and for each of you as you move through this Christmas season, as you spend time uh, with friends, family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, that you'll have opportunities to share that joy that you have within yourself um, with other people. Um, Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. Thank you for the hope that is ours in Christ. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing in and through our lives. I thank you for the work that you're doing in and through the lives of Chris and Karen and so many other families at Springbrook. I thank you that our joy is rooted deeply in our identity in your son, and it's not dependent on our circumstances. I pray that you would continue to encourage us, strengthen us as we move through this Christmas season. God, we look forward to all that you have for us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.